It is the 11 Dubcast. I am John Aginter. I'm here with the fabulous Andy Vance, and we're here to celebrate another incredible, amazing, groundbreaking Ohio State uh, victory, this time over Michigan State. I don't know it was that awesome. It, it, was a, it was a fun game. It was really cool to see like the progression of Ryan Day's like you know hamster wheel turning inside his brain um, as they figured out what they were going to do about the Michigan State defense. I want to ask you to start off with on this uh, – 11 dubcast sponsored by the dragon store at 11 warriors.com um was this the game that you were expecting was this the game that you were hoping that ohio state would have uh against michigan state and mark d'antonio i i would say this is definitely the game i was expecting right so if you look and, and i saw uh some folks on twitter kind of making this comment throughout the the course of the game and, and the day after that if you were going to pick a team over the past, oh, let's say, 10 years, that really was Ohio State's rival, if you will. Uh, it wasn't the team in Ann Arbor. It wasn't no. the team in East Lansing. And so you you expect a Mark D'Antonio team to come in and play silver bullet type defense. And, okay, so nothing super inspiring offense. I think somebody you know referred to it as a poor man's trestle ball. Um, but there, there's no doubt they were going to come in and give the Buckeyes the toughest game they'd had all season. You watch that first quarter of the game, it's exactly right. So that that's absolutely what I expected. And I liked, you know, Ryan Day a couple times over the last two weeks mentioned adversity. Well, this is the first time I think Ohio State really faced adversity this season was that first quarter of the game. Was it the game I hoped to see? Yeah, in the sense that, I love the adjustments that you saw. I love that uh, you saw those players execute at a high level after getting kicked in the teeth in the first quarter. Um, you know, you saw that the offense, hey, everything isn't going to come easy. You know, so I think it's good that you have a reminder like that for a young team and a, a young in terms of, you know, new coach, new quarterback, and so on. It's good for them to get that kind of game after having some games that weren't maybe a true test of their abilities i really i mean look you don't want you want to see your team just dominate and kick ass and do everything you know they, they need 60 to, to zero every time i go i go to bed happy yeah but i gotta tell you something like it, it is nice to see uh you know a team like ohio state that is clearly talented clearly one of the best teams in the country have to figure something out and what's interesting to me about this game is that you know michigan state is not a bad team. I don't think, I, I don't think this is, a, you know, this is not one of those games where it's like, well, Ohio State was really just shooting itself in the foot to start off with. They, you know, they were out of sorts. They weren't in, they didn't have their heads in the game and Michigan State was just kind of getting lucky. Uh, and I guess, I mean, offensively, you can kind of say, that, especially when you're the beneficiary of, of turnovers and, you know, so close to, uh, you know, you're where you're trying to get to with the touchdown. But I, you know, it really felt like, Michigan State was doing something that other teams playing Ohio State, the other five teams that had played Ohio State in 2019 just hadn't been able to do, which was really like get pressure with their defensive line and not have to bring blitzes. And they were doing a good job at bottling up uh, J.K. Dobbins. I think at a certain point, Ohio State had something like 13 rushes for like 13 yards or something ridiculous like that. Or maybe it was 10 rushes for 10 yards. But the point is, is that, to me, they were doing the one thing that a team has to do, or maybe the the one thing that teams might be actually capable of doing uh, to stop Ohio State uh, offensively, which is they, they really have to stop the run. 
and uh, stopping that initial point of attack helped Michigan State out. Um, I think this is a good lesson for the team because you know if a you know you're you're down the line here in the playoffs or maybe you're you know playing the Big Ten championship or even playing against Wisconsin, you know if that team is able to stop Ohio State's running game and take advantage on the other end and actually convert some points, which of course Michigan State was not able to do because their offense is kind of booty, then you might have some issues. But that that is part of the learning process for this team and getting better. And once they figured out in the second quarter, obviously they exploded. Uh, you know, with some big time offense and some big time plays. I just think for me, this team doesn't feel like uh, they feel so multidimensional that I'm not too worried about. It. I feel like they'll just keep trying things until something works. And then when it works, everything else will click. And that's what you saw in this game. Yeah, that's the thing that blows my mind. Like there are so many things they do well and they have so many talented athletes. You go back to that. That's that's the thing that you know the the Jimmy Jimmy's and Joes versus the X's and O's, the quality and quantity of elite Jimmy's and Joes is so much farther than you know any other team they're going to face really until the playoffs. And at the same time, I just am blown away offensively and defensively how good the scheme is and how good those coaches are at recognizing what's happening. And if it's hey, if this isn't going right. Let's just make a few little changes here. Let's tinker with a few things, and boom, it's suddenly magic. Uh, You hit the nail on the head, too, with Michigan State. Uh, Those two turnovers in the first quarter, uh, you know, if those hadn't gone Ohio State's way, it could have been a a much different situation going into the second half because Ohio State more or less was able to, you know, keep Michigan State from getting any kind of momentum offensively. And and when they couldn't get any going, you know, their their defense isn't good enough to play catch up their offense. I mean, isn't good enough to play catch up, right? They're, they're a legitimate top 10, maybe top five defense and nowhere near a top 50 offense. So that that's their problem. If, if they had some, you know, semblance of o- offensive capability and competence, they'd be a really good ball club. But right. here's the other thing that's really interesting. We're going to see this story repeated a couple times this season. I think, because if you look at the teams, Ohio state's facing yet, you've got a slew of top 10 defenses. Like if you look at, uh, I, I always go back to SP plus, uh, Wisconsin is currently the number four defense in the country. Uh, Michigan, believe it or not, is currently the number two defense by SP plus in the country. Um, uh, Penn state's the number 16, but Hey, that one's going to be interesting because they're also the number 10 offense. So, you know, that's a more complete team. Whereas, you know, Wisconsin's maybe a 16, offense and uh, Michigan we don't even need to talk about their offense <laughs> lol right north yeah, northwestern I, by the way even northwestern is even a top um i saw this earlier and it really surprised me their their offense is is super bad obviously but northwestern right. actually has a pretty good little <laughs> defense um statistically they're a number the number 8 defense in the country according to sp plus compared yeah. to 125th ranked offense Here's the other thing that well, it, the thing about that though is that if you're talking about Ohio State and their ability to make some noise in the uh, in the postseason, that's that's really what you want to see, right? Like that's the kind of that's the those are the teams that you want Ohio State to be able to play because honestly, I think a team, for example, like I mean, I would say even Alabama. I mean, this is really shooting for the moon, but like their defense isn't 
great shakes this season. It really isn't. And they haven't played amazing offenses either. So for them, for a team like them, they may enter the the end of their schedule and get into the postseason and be shocked by some of the players that they end up having to do. If, if you're Ohio State, you want this kind of challenge at this point of time in the year. And again, you, you won by 24. You want to win by 50 every game. That's fine. But it's still a good thing to build on. And going into a bye week, you know, there are a lot of players that are dinged up. There are a lot of things that you can work on and adjust and change. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting, this is something that uh, our, our uh, you know, analysis extraordinaire, analyst extraordinaire, uh, Kyle Jones was pointing out, you know, Ben Victor had that incredible, you know, catch and run for a touchdown, uh, you know, earlier in the game and everybody's patting on the back. Everybody's, you know, slapping his butt and saying, you're amazing. This is great. And, Heartline's over there grabbing him by the shoulder pads and saying, look, these are things that you need to do. And he was getting pissed, but Heartline was coaching him up. He was doing what he was supposed to do. He he understood, and I think this team understands, and Ryan Day understands, that it's great to beat these teams early in the season. And now we're not so early at all. You know, we're we're in the middle of it. Um, But you want to get better. You want to be at your best when you have to play your best. And those games are still in the future. Um, this looks like a team that's improving. And again, you want to beat Michigan State by a trillion points. I understand that. But this definitely looked like a team that um, faced a little bit of adversity, overcame it, and still, um, you know, still looked honestly pretty great. I mean, look, J.K. Dobbins, right? J.K. Dobbins started really slowly, still had 172 yards on the ground, right? Like, how do you, I mean, again, we're, we're, we're picking nits because it's really hard to say that, okay, well, this team, you know, man, they, they really had to figure things out in the first quarter. And then still you've got a guy who runs for, you know, 172 yards. You still put up 34 points. Like this is, this is a good performance and it was a fun game to watch. I was actually at the game um, and rewatching it on TV was really kind of fascinating because, you, you know, when you're, when you're in the butt crack of B deck, you don't really get to see <laughs> the really fun stuff. You kind of just notice it happening. Uh, as opposed to seeing the flow of the game. So that was a good time. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a really fun game to watch. So what was the atmosphere like? You know, this was the big blackout and, and uh, you know, the under the lights, prime time, you know, marquee type opponent. What, what, was, the, what was the mood in the house? I, you know, I think some people are still skeptical a little about the whole blackout concept. And I also think Ohio State didn't do an amazing job at uh, promoting it. Um, but it's still, I mean, you know, 90% of people were in black. It was still a cool atmosphere. I don't think people were as wild because, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a top five opponent or something like that. Um, you know, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it's a lot of, I, I'm on record as being a huge proponent of the blackout. I think every time that they've done it, it's been pretty good. Uh, the first time I was there at uh, the Penn state game, the first time they did it and it was amazing i mean people were going just losing their minds and and part of that too is because you know penn state's got their whole whiteout thing so this is kind of our response to that right and i i love it i i want people to get into it because it's it's a fun time and like you know getting ohio state fans to do anything in mass is like hurting cats <laughs> and the fact that this kind of works out right like it doesn't have to completely work out but the fact that it kind of works out is honestly a minor miracle so I, I enjoy it quite a bit, and it was a fun night for football. And and falls here; it's not ninety degrees anymore. So you know, it's like it actually feels like we're you know we're getting to the nice part of the year. So it was fun. It was a good time. 
Um, Not to be a Debbie Downer, but it kind of kills me. You know, we're halfway through the regular season for Ohio State, and it just now feels like fall. Oh, my God. Uh, It makes me a little sad that I'm like, oh, we only have just a precious few more weeks of regular season football. Shed a tear. Right. You know, it's, you know, hopefully, hopefully it sticks around for a little bit. I mean, it's Ohio, so it could could just as easily be 80 degrees tomorrow as it could be 40 degrees tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We really don't know. Um, But anyway, that was, it was a fun game. It was a good game. I don't know that it did a huge amount for people uh, who are still kind of skeptical about Ohio State. I think they know that they're good. They know that they're capable team. Uh, Good enough for, I guess, tying them for third um and what which poll is that the ap that they're tightened for third or is that coach tied 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 for third in the ap and uh number four in the coaches poll there you go so i just always find it interesting to see how voters uh move you know from one poll to the other like what what the trends um you know what the sports information directors filling out ballots for coaches do versus the uh, AP voters and who are trying to make statements or not. It's, do you think that matters at all for the the playoff committee? Do you think they see that and they're like, oh. well, you know, I'll say um, Doug Maurice had a really interesting piece this week talking about his um, his experience sitting in on a mock playoff committee meeting uh, in the actual oh, room right, yeah. Grapevine, Texas, and I thought that was a really that was a really nice kind of peek behind the curtain. Um, and Doug had some interesting takeaways, you know that I. I, I probably would tend to agree with in, in summer part things like, you know, the need to move to eight teams, uh, the, the inherent problem with having a group full of people who are intimately connected to the sport sitting <laughs> in a room and maybe like, like Gene Smith having to recuse themselves from a vote, um, right. you know, where they have a vested interest and, and gee, why are we putting those people on the committee in the first place? And <laughs> so, so, you know, are they swayed by the AP poll in specific? No, I don't think so. But what I do find interesting is the storylines that we talk about, and I say we meaning fans in general, let's say, the storylines we talk about sort of get you know, established by whether it's social media, whether it's people like Joel Klatt and Kirk Herbstreet who are actually calling the games and, and the things that they bring up or in their various media appearances um but you know the the polls certainly are either a reflection of that or you know are they driving to some extent you know there's some of that where you say oh ohio state's up to number three or or if ohio state and had hadn't moved up that's a topic of conversation well gee why aren't these people who in theory know something what what aren't they seeing that they like about ohio state i agree with you in that i don't know that michigan state changed anyone's opinion if they had a real firm opinion one way or the other, because you could you could look at it and say, well, Michigan State's a terrible offense, so that's not a great, you know, Ohio State still hadn't played nobody. Uh, or on the other hand, if you think Ohio State, if you're like a Joel Clatter or Kirk Herbstreet, who are regularly saying Ohio State's the best team in the country right now, if you take out any preseason bias, um, then you looked and said, yeah, this is exactly what they should look like against the top five, top 10 defense. Yeah, well, so what's interesting to me, and, and this is just for things going forward, right? Like the first, the first college football playoff kind of rankings are going to come out in early November, right? Ohio State really only has two games before then because you've got you've got at Northwestern, and then you've got, of course, the big game against Wisconsin with you know, hint hint. By the way, just just side note, Dubgate, Dubgate, Dubgate. Um, so mm-hmm. I just, you know, so. To me, what's interesting is that Ohio State, right, they're going to go into the first playoff rankings. Uh, essentially, I think in the eyes of most of the people at the committee, with basically one game 
right? Like one game that matters under their belt. Um, then they have the, like they're playing Maryland and Rutgers and that's, you know, no one will care. And then they've got Penn state and Michigan to kind of finish off the year. I guess what I'm saying is, is that the margin for error for Ohio state, it's always pretty low, but I think it's a little bit easier this year just because, so let's say something happens with with Wisconsin and they don't do super hot or they don't perform really well. Uh, and, and let's say they lose even, let's say they lose a close game. Now if they get blown out and if they lose against Northwestern or Maryland or something like that, then forget it. But if they lose a close game to Wisconsin, they still have games in the back part of their schedule where they can reestablish themselves and still get to the big 10 championship. So I like, to me, this sets up pretty well for this team, regardless. Um, they don't mm-hmm. have to worry about a lot of trip up games between now and the first polls coming out. Uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting situation. And I don't know, like I, from the beginning of the season, I was like, I was thinking this is like a 10 or two, like a 10 and two, or maybe even a nine and three team. Now, obviously that's, I think that's not going to happen. I don't think that's, they're going to perform better (laughs) than that. But, but my point is, is that I think in a little, like, I I really think that as of the Wisconsin game, we're going to have to start reevaluating our reevaluating our expectations for what this team is capable of because offensively, I think they're as good as any team in the country. Um, and if they can take down Wisconsin or even close, I mean, they're still in it. So to me, this is a really interesting point of the season for Ohio state because, you know, we're going to have to start thinking about this team in a different way. At least I, th- I don't think most people were thinking national championship contenders, I guess is my point with all of this. Um, well, I don't know. Were you? I mean, I don't. I don't want to speak for you, Andy. I mean, is this what you thought it was possibly setting up for them at the beginning of the season? Well, so I, my the phrase I kept using ahead of the season was cautiously optimistic. Like I felt pretty good about Ryan Day as the right. new head coach. I felt pretty good about Justin Fields as the quarterback. I didn't have any reason to believe there would be some sort of drop off. Like it just seemed like there was enough of the infrastructure from the previous regime in place and oh by the way a pretty successful regime that that the changes were going to be evolutionary rather than revolutionary i mean i feel like that's what you've seen this is an offense you know ryan day inherited a pretty and helped architect a pretty good offense now they're looking like a pretty great offense um there were times during the urban meyer era where there was a championship caliber defense and you assumed there were championship caliber players who last year were maybe just playing in a scheme that wasn't just all it was cracked up to be. And gosh, you bring in new defensive coaches and scheme masters and it's like, yeah, this is what, this is what this is supposed to look like. So this is, I mean, this is pretty much what, what I think my expectations were heading into the season. Um, And what I find interesting, you know, going back to something you said a minute ago about the importance of the Wisconsin game in terms of the perception People, I think people are sleeping on how tough Ohio State's schedule actually is. Uh, to this you, point, you yeah, the, I would agree with that. Yeah, you you go back and look at um, Jeff Sagren, who you know Sagren's computer ratings had a m- much bigger sway in the BCS era, but but Sagren has a pretty good um, you know rating of schedules, and so if you look at his current top ten teams, just overall top ten teams, Ohio State's ranked number one ahead of Alabama. Um, and of, of the top 10 teams, only one team in his top 10 has a tougher schedule than the Buckeyes. And that's Auburn. Auburn's his number one schedule. And oh, by the way, they've already dropped a game. Buckeyes have the number 19 schedule in his rankings. And the next closest in his top 10, 
know, Oregon's 23. And after that, they're all in the 40s. You know, Alabama's like a 49. Uh, LSU, we've all been talking up LSU, myself included. They have like the 81st toughest schedule, according to <laughs> Sagarin's ratings. I mean, yeah. somebody said to me the other day, like, Florida's got three FCS teams on the schedule. Uh, and I think they've played two of them, right? Like, I mean, it's what? Yeah, yeah, they played two, or, and they've got one more. Like, what? What do you really, really? So, if, no, honestly, I need to, have... we need, here's what I want to do. We need to we need to bring on somebody at some point and play a game of uh, FCS or not, and just basically like interspersed, <laughs> basically ask people to to correctly identify whether it's an FCS team or somebody we just like pulled out of our ass, like a complete like fake college or university because i look at some of these schedules and particularly for the sec i know we love like pillaring the sec for this but they're guilty so i don't care um but some of these teams that they play almost feels like like they were like they don't actually exist right like i talk about my conspiracy theory where like bulls are money laundering devices (laughs) and things like that i honest to god if there was some crazy boss hog thing going on with like some of these schools that like don't like i don't have never never heard of right and i've been doing look i don't consider myself to be some kind of like you know college football guru or anything like this but i've been writing about college football for little warriors for about a decade now there's still these schools that they're playing that i have never heard of and some completely fake and made up um and and honestly i gotta tell you something man i think that they should get dinged for it and i think it's ridiculous that the playoff committee allows like schools, not just in the SEC, but in general, to play these unbelievably terrible FCS cupcake, you know, million dollar paycheck games, uh, and essentially reward them for for wins, right? Like that's considered as much a win as something else on a given week. And it's ridiculous. They they need to be dinged for it. They need to like not consider those games when it comes to overall records, because it is absolutely insane to me. Uh, that that would be like someone's, you know, 11 and no record is the same as someone else's 11 and a record who actually played, you know, people who are eligible for bowls. I, I, to me, that's insane and stupid. And I really wish somebody on the committee or the committee as a whole would come out and kind of be against that because that's dumb to me. Hey, I mean, you say what you will uh, about Tennessee Martin, who was, uh, <laughs> you know, a victim of Florida this year, but they are first in the Ohio Valley Conference, my friend. Oh, my so, you know. <laughs> Uh, I, I did, I, I go back and look at them like, okay, Florida. Yeah. They played this the Tennessee Martin, uh, and they played Towson, which I think what Towson's like a community college in Maryland. I have heard of Towson. Um, <laughs> I've heard of Towson. Cause I think I drove through there one time, but, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, that, uh, yeah, Tennessee Martin, uh, like I say, literally, you know, first place in the Ohio Valley conference, but their, their, their schedule, you know, is Tennessee tech, Eastern Illinois, uh, you know, Austin yeah. P, uh, what? and so on and so forth. That's Eastern LSU, Illinois LSU played Georgia like, Southern. Yeah. Eastern Illinois is literally like just Indiana. Like, I don't understand. Like what's in East Illinois. I just, you know, <laughs> more corn, my friend, more corn. That's what's <laughs> right. in Eastern Illinois. Like, okay. So I actually, I, I have this here. So UTEP again, UTEP, they get a bit of a pass, but they're playing Houston Baptist. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm-hmm. Washington State was playing Northern Colorado. Again, that's a thing that exists. Fresno State was playing Sacramento State, which is has got to be just a local like two-year, you know, a, associate's degree program. Um playing some uh, JUCOs out there. Yeah. Baylor's playing Stephen F. Austin. 
Um, that it, it just it, to me, this stuff. Hey, at least just... we're keeping the money in the state, man. That's it. At least they're keeping the money in the state. Well, Alabama playing Western Carolina. <laughs> like I, don't, I mean, there's a North Carolina, there's a South Carolina. Apparently, there's a West Carolina that that Alabama's playing. So that's great. Um, Plus, they get to play Tennessee. So. Uh... <laughs> Just, I don't get it. I don't understand why why schools, especially marquee schools like Alabama and Florida, are given a pass for this. Because I know they're not given a quote unquote pass, but the truth of the matter is, is that you know at the end of the season, if they're twelve and zero or thirteen and zero, people don't look at that game as a negative, and they should because not necessarily because it, well, it you know. My point is this: it's not that they shouldn't look at it as a, a loss or something like that. I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that they should view that as validation. The the people who are doing these rankings should look at validation as this team didn't accomplish as much as any other team that has the same record. And that really, like I'm dead serious about that. I don't care what the rest of your strength of the schedule looks like. If you have one less team against, you know, or one less game against a team that clearly doesn't have a pulse, right. Then you shouldn't get the same kind of rankings. And again, I understand you can look at Rutgers and say like, well, that's not either, but I, I agree with that. I agree with that. We should be looking at these common opponents and who they're playing and stop pretending that an undefeated record is as equal as every other undefeated record. It just drives me crazy. Well, that's where I go back to, you know, so the question you you asked originally about, do, you know, does the does the AP poll matter, you know, at least in terms of this conversation? And the answer was, no, not really. But that's the, the reason it matters is if you look at this week's poll, and you say, okay, you have Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, all in the top 10 of the AP poll. So when when Alabama, with its, you know, what I say, number 59 ranked schedule, is, you know, is is looked at as, well, but they played four right. top 10 teams. They played three other top 10 teams. Right. Whereas Ohio State's going to roll in here and you're going to say, Ohio State has played, by the end of the season, four or five top 10 defenses. Right but none of them are going to be in the top 10. Wisconsin's going to be the only one in the top. Well, you know, right now you could have Wisconsin, Penn state in the top 10, right? Yeah. So now the good news is it looks like Cincinnati is going to, you know, is going to hang around in the top 25 potentially. Um, So that's, that's a quality win that maybe people didn't know was going to be a quality win at the time it was played. Um, Michigan state could very well stay in the top, you know, 25. We just talked to get, that's actually not a terrible football team. If if their offense can hang in games, their defense, you know, is is certainly worthy. Uh, right. And you know, I uh, Penn State is going to be a top ten team. So you know, the the schedule is really tough for the Buckeyes relative to literally everyone else in the top ten. It's a much tougher schedule than I think people gave it credit for going into the season. Yeah, I mean, last thing I'll say about this before we move on, uh, I just, again, it would really piss me off at the end of the season. Let's say Ohio State has a close loss to Wisconsin. Alabama, you know, doesn't look good, but they they don't have a loss to Wisconsin, and they're, they're going the last couple of weeks. It would really make me mad if Alabama is considered by default better because they don't have a loss because they got to play, you know, the the, you know, the, the, the Saint Sister Mary of the Poor or whatever it is um it, it just it it it's all about perception and i understand the sec is playing that game very well uh but at some point i i just think the pollsters need to kind of hammer them for it uh next thing let's talk about this real quick this is something kind of an item that popped up on our radar as we were you know kind of preparing for this week's podcast so this is something i think we'll continually revisit 
um, in the next weeks and months, because I, I don't think this is going away at all. This is a topic that is definitely going to be uh, on the forefront of not just college football, but college sports in general for a long time now. But California, all right, California Governor Gavin Newsom just signed in uh, the Fair Pay to, uh, Pay to Play Act, which essentially enables athletes, college athletes, to um, you know kind of profit off their likenesses, right? And, and a lot of other states have talked about introducing legislation. Former Ohio State player Anthony Gonzalez, who is now a congressman up near Cleveland, uh, is planning on introducing that law uh, to the United States Congress. Um, what, how do you feel about this, Andy? This this feels like it's real. This feels like things are going to change quicker uh, and and more um, impactfully, I think, maybe than people quite realize yet. I think this is. I think the ball's rolling. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, in California, you know, I remember watching the prices right as a youngster, and I always thought it was interesting when they would announce that they're giving away a car in the showcase showdown and they would always refer to California emissions. And as a kid, I was like, what is that? What, what are they talking about? <laughs> so whether it's, you know, automobile emissions uh, standards or, but you know, California has always been fairly progressive in that, in, in that way. It's kind of setting the tone and say, Hey, we think this is the way it ought to be. And other States can, you know, choose to follow that lead or not. What I think is interesting is, you know, Congressman Gonzalez has a has a unique background relative to, you know, folks that might be commenting on this because he understands what what it was like to be a player at a marquee institution. Um, you know, certainly had a, a an incredible career of his own, and and has you know the power to introduce some legislation here. So that that to me is the interesting. I would I would I would be much more um, in favor of seeing something if if I think something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Uh, because the federal level is going to get involved to make sure that the the playing field is is level, so to speak, as opposed to 27 other states saying, well, this is the way we're going to do it. Right. And then the NCAA, you know, tripping over its own left two feet, trying to figure out how to deal with it. Because some of the things that you hear, you know, I take with a grain of salt. You know, when you hear, I remember it was probably three, four or five years ago now, um, you know, I think it was Jim Delaney or Gene Smith won. You know, basically just said, oh, we'll go, we'll go division three before we would pay players. And you're like, sure right. you will. Right. Get, get, get back to me on that. Yeah. Or I, I don't play. believe you. Yeah. Or threaten not to play games in California or things like that, if that's the case, which, okay. Yeah. You're, you're never going to play in the Rose Bowl again. LOL. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'd much rather see, you know, if I'm, if I'm somebody that, even if I'm somebody who's opposed to quote unquote, paying the players, and I'm not saying I am or I'm not, but if I'm if I'm opposed to the pay the players thing, I still would much rather see somebody like um, Gonzalez get involved and introduce something that, hey, maybe there's a bit of compromise in good policy here and everybody walks away, if not totally happy, at least not totally miserable, as opposed to saying, well, uh, Ohio's going to do this thing and Texas is going to do this and, and so on and so forth. Because, hey, guess what, sports fans? Uh, if USC has the ability to, you know, sell sponsorships, so to speak, for its players' uh, likeness, or they can go out and get some money from, you know, oh, I don't know, Audi of Southern Los Angeles or something along those lines, that's a competitive advantage, right? Yeah. And honestly, you got to think about this I'd big picture, think. my friends. 
Right. And I, I think for all the hand wringing that, you know, some people in the Big Ten or whatever are making about this, yeah, that I think they're hand wringing because ultimately they know they're gonna lose on that if if that's the case. Like you can't like you have to be able to keep up with that's that's all college sports is about is keeping up with the Joneses. And if you can't do that, uh you're losing. And, and there's no way that Ohio State that would really be the the full Michigan uh, Michigan occasion Michigan like the 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 full uh, I don't know how to put this. I guess the Big Ten really going full Michigan man, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> and let's, saying, let's, let's, let's look at our SAT scores. Be, yeah, we're not going to sully our hands. We're just going to like attract great talent just by being so amazingly Big Ten. And that's not going to happen. Like you can't, you've got to be able to compete uh, on that level. And if, you know, the Big Ten doesn't do that and, you know, Ohio doesn't do that or Michigan, does, then they're not going to win. That That's simple well, as that. Look, look um, at how the Big Ten changed when Urban Meyer came into right. the conference. I mean, prior to Urban Meyer, you had, you know, sort of the gentleman's agreement that we won't run up the score. You right. had, you know, we, we weren't paying assistant recruit. coaches. We won't negatively, rec- we won't pay SEC type salaries to assistant coaches and right. so on and so forth. You know, Urban Meyer comes in the league and seven, eight years later, look how far the conference as a whole has come. I mean, yeah, you still have Rutgers and things like that, but but by and large, you know, teams are you teams are a lot more competitive now. Yeah. And the gap between the SEC and the Big Ten perceived or real isn't all that big if it exists at all. Right. And and that's and that's why I think, you know, if, if this does become standard policy, I think everybody's gonna adopt it pretty quick. Um, you know, the arguments, we can talk about the arguments against it later, you know, at a later date when we get into it. Um, I, you know, to me though, anyone who says that, well, it's going to be difficult to figure out and implement. Well, you know what? That's not an argument against anything, right? Like everything's difficult to start and implement when it first begins, but that's kind of the point you, you take on that challenge because it's the right thing to do. Uh, we had Anthony Gonzalez when actually, as he was, I think he had just announced his uh, candidacy, um, we had him on the dubcast and we were talking about stuff like this. And, you know, I think this is something that a guy who uh, is intimately um, knowledgeable about these issues, someone who's obviously lived that experience, it's going to be real hard to argue against someone who is both a politician and like has lived this life and seen his teammates go on to, I think, be unfairly punished, right, for things that, you know, any sane person knows that they should have been allowed to do. I, you know, to me, I just, it's going to be a really interesting discussion that, that college sports is going to have to have with itself, but it's odd because I also feel like it's a discussion that has an inevitable conclusion to it. Uh, and, and all it, in my opinion, all it is is just how long it's going to take to get there. So we'll see. What here, it looks here's like. one other thing, you know, on this, that uh, I, I kind of have a bone to pick with, college football fans in general, whether you're in favor or opposed to this particular thing, the, the image and likeness debate, which is really what we're having here mm-hmm. is not the same as paying the players. Like no. that kind of, I think people willfully or out of ignorance can, you know, confuse and conflate the two. This isn't saying Ohio state's going to start writing checks to players right. out of its athletic budget. This is saying that, Justin Fields could potentially, you know, have some sort of sponsorship endorsement deal or, uh, you know, go and cut some ads for Reichert Ford or whatever it happens to be. You know, I mean, the the details, you know, have to be worked out and so on. But th- those are two different things. 
Um, yeah. And so even if you're, you know, hey, I, I, I don't want to see Ohio State cutting checks to players either, but, you know, I also um, look and say, hey, uh, most of us who are working our way through school had a part-time job or were somehow turning our talents and abilities into dollars, and these players really currently don't have a mechanism to do that. Right. Uh, and, and, and that just feels... It just feels a little wrong to me. Um, so, hey, but don't confuse these two things, two totally different things. Yeah. Well, Related, thing, but though, different. For a lot of people, for the reason, I think the reason why a lot of people see them as similar things is because they just don't want college football to kind of change from this ideal that it's it's always tried to espouse, right? And I understand that. Like, I'm not, I'm not even poo-pooing that because I understand that to a certain extent, you know, the idea of the student athlete and, you know, actually making it about being a student and getting a degree. And, and it's kind of, you know, primary compared to the actual secondary part of actually being an athlete that I, I appreciate that ideal. And I understand why it appeals to people. It just doesn't exist. It's not, it's not something that happens anymore. Um, we're talking about a, you know, Ohio state as an institution brought in over $200 million in revenue in sports last season yeah like or last year last fiscal year so it's really hard to claim that you know if if that's what's going on then it's just about you know student athletes and making sure people get degrees because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars in one entity um and it's 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 just becoming increasingly difficult to pretend that the ideal the student athlete exists or ever existed really well, um, well and here's probably where we miss the boat i, I say we again as fans you know, if if you don't like the idea of your starting quarterback having an endorsement deal with insert sponsor here, uh, maybe the thing to have done would have been five years ago to get on board with the idea of, you know, maybe the the student athlete needs to have some sort of, of stipend, if you will, um, from the university for the time they spend playing football, you know, and so everybody on the team is making X number of dollars or whatever, right. beer and book money. Think of it as you, whatever you will. Uh, but, but because people were not, there was no appetite for that. This is a thing where it's much harder to say, no, you shouldn't be able to profit from your name, image, and likeness. That's terrible. The university should own <laughs> your intellectual property. Right? Yeah. That's much harder for me. That's much harder to argue against that because that, that just like like that's unreasonable right whereas you know people wanted to put their head in the sand five years ago when we were starting to have these conversations in earnest you know we weren't you know we didn't want to pay the players so you know some sort of uh, i think there was a middle ground that could have been had but maybe the train has already left the station yeah, I, and I, I think you're right on that. So it'll, it'll, it's an interesting conversation. It's one that we'll definitely have to revisit uh, in the you know, weeks and months ahead because there are things that are going to change, and I, I believe that's going to happen fairly quickly. Um, so let's let's shift to Ask Us Anything. Before we do that, we want to remind you, uh, please visit the 11 Warriors Dry Goods store, drygoods.11warriors.com. Shirts, hats, stickers, and more at drygoods.11warriors.com. So we've got to ask us anything. We've got some great questions this week. If you would like to ask us anything, please send us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast on Twitter. This is from uh, James. James wants to know, in the light of the past seven to eight years, is Troy Smith still the best quarterback in program history? I think that's debatable on the face of it, but we'll get into that. Uh, and then would you take 06 <laughs> Troy over Fields right now? 
by the way, we have this we have this discussion on Slack all the time, and everybody's like, Fields is the best quarterback in Ohio State history. I'm not I'm not there yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, I want to know what you think about that, Andy. Well, I think maybe my question back to you would be like, what will it take for him to get there? Like, what what would that look? Who is currently at the top of of your 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 mountain of Ohio State quarterback legends, and what would it take for Fields to unseat that I think luminary? It depends. I think it depends what you want out of a quarterback. Uh, I mean, for me, that's still the most entertaining player I've ever seen play college football is still Braxton Miller. And that's, it's not even close. And in Braxton thing about Braxton Miller, I think people need to understand is for a while, he was the only functioning part of Ohio state's offense. So <laughs> being asked to do what he had to do and, and put up his body, you know, to the kind of a punishment that he took, he was still a pretty damn good thrower as well. Uh, I wouldn't put him as the best all time, but if we're talking about sharing entertainment, you know, value and, and what I expect, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed watching him. Now, as far as best quarterback, I got to tell you something. As a student at Ohio State in 2006, it, I don't know that I've really had the same feeling of, like, invincibility when Troy Smith was just on it because you felt – it could be third and 20, right? And every And it's, you know <laughs> – the team's dropping back in like quarters cover or something like that, or, or, you know, nickel or whatever. And they're, you know, they've just basically sold out on stopping the pass. You're like, Troy Smith's got this. It's fine. He's going to hit a 25 yarder. It's not going to be a big deal. Um, I remember going in the one V two game uh, in 2006 thinking like, there's no way Ohio state loses this like period. And every time they got in the third long, I was like, Troy Smith's going to convert it. And he did. Um, and it just, it, you really felt invincible with that dude as quarterback. And obviously they got blown up in the national championship game. Um, but for me, if we're talking about him versus and, and field, if that hadn't, you can good. I, I just feel like that, that, what, what you said, that, that national championship game. I mean, that's always the thing that, that just, that just catches me. Right. Sure. Because, and that's fine. And I don't, I don't, I just can't put Justin Fields at Troy Smith's level yet. When a Heisman, right. Like that's, um, if now with that oh. said, most important, most impressive performance ever by a quarterback is got to be uh, JT Barrett against Penn State, right? Um, when he had it a literally perfect, you know, second or third and fourth quarters rather uh, to win that game, and had to have a perfect third and fourth quarters to win that game. Um, I just haven't, I haven't seen Justin Fields have to be brilliant yet, and that's why I can't put him in that top tier yet. I think there, are, so so I go back, and and one of the things I always think about when these questions come up is, you know, you'll be getting to a good um, discussion on the merits of a quarterback at, uh, you know, in the comments at a great website like 11warriors.com. And somebody invariably will pop up and be like, oh, yeah, well, uh, Rex Kern, thank you very much. And and I have to, so I always have to remind myself, I didn't see Corny Green or Rex Kern or sure. whoever you might want to throw into the conversation. I, I never saw them play uh, for reals, right? So I always, always kind of pause, you know, stop and think, okay, am I, my forgetting some legend uh, when we're having these debates, but I, I I'm one of those that really enjoyed watching Terrell Pryor play football and, and more than once have thought, man, I'd love to see that cat at his athletic prime playing in a Ryan day offense or an urban Meyer offense. Like, wow. How cool would that have been I'm a huge JT Barrett fan? I think the challenge, you know, some of the things that we nickel and dime JT Barrett on, um, you know, sometimes I go back and, and think, 
uh, he got put in positions from time to time. Cause you look at some of the, we chuckle about the play calling, like, you know, urban Meyer getting a safety, bl- you know, a security blanket out like Linus and, and holding on to it and just, just had the quarterback <laughs> run the ball. Or, you know, there were things like that where that is one of the things to go back to, um, you know, Ryan day from it that I, I like so far. Like I haven't figured out what Ryan day security blanket is yet because this offense is, super diverse and fun to watch and multifaceted and so on and so forth. But, you know, so there were things about JT Barrett I just loved. And I look and say, there's a reason that dude has his name all over the record books. You know, he, he was really good at playing quarterback of the football team, Justin Fields to, to the original question. No, I'm not ready to put him on the, you know, the top of the heap yet. Now see me at the end of the season. You know, I I think the potential is there because if this team achieves its goals, yeah, all the all the tools are. I mean, I can't find much that I don't like about that dude at this stage of the game. He seems like he really does it all well, and I think the ceiling is pretty high because hey, he's you know he's still learning and growing, and and I mean he's only been on campus how many months, right? Right, and that's and that's the thing. Like I'm I'm curious to see what his overall arc is because he definitely has the potential to be one of the greats and I'm, I'm excited to see how he you know changes and grows as a quarterback uh but am i willing to put him at the top no, no. that's you know you got a little ways to go uh let's concentrate on beating wisconsin right and then we can get to that uh next one here's from our good friend alvin alvin wants to know thoughts on having a mid-season friday game in terms of rest recruiting etc uh what changes if anything for the team playing on a friday do you enjoy the friday game against northwestern how do you feel about <sighs> Uh, I enjoy that it's a night game. That's good. I'm I'm a big proponent of night games for Ohio State from that that whole, you know, sort of national uh, perception, you know, sort of perspective. Um, do I love Friday night games? No, no. I you know, to me, college football is meant to be played on Saturday. So so while I am not, um, you know, old man yelling at cloud or get off my yard, get off my lawn about alternate uniforms. We had that conversation a week ago. I maybe am about playing Friday night. Like I could do without as a fan, I guess I like that. I have the option to watch college football on Friday night. Sure. But to me that Ohio State should not be playing football games on Friday night. Ohio State yeah, should I think be playing- it's a little weird. Um, especially given the importance of high school football in the state of Ohio. Um, yep. An odd choice for me. Uh, I, yeah. you know, I don't mind it because it's, it's a nice way to just kind of get, you know, all the writing stuff out of the way before the weekend and kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? From a personal standpoint, I'm like, ah, sure. I'll take it. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I always enjoy. The, the, the conversation with the beat writers about, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. game time, you know, noon versus three thirty versus primetime game, you yeah, know, and, day. uh, <laughs> beat, beat writers are all about the noon games that, oh, you know, God. that I go back as a, as a fan, I'm like, Oh, I, you know, noon games, give me, give me the night right. games or, Hey, those three thirty games are pretty cool. Cause you, you know, you, uh, you get the night game feel at, at the end of the game and, uh, well, yeah, but, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not on board. From a recruiting standpoint, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know that that matters. Whether yeah, it's Friday or Saturday, you're gonna have a battle that much. Honestly, nah, I don't. I don't um, think so. But I, but I do like the night game because I think that makes a. I think that makes a difference. Yeah, I would agree. Although a, a noon Friday game would be very interesting. I, it'd be interesting <laughs> how that would play out. Uh, mm. Last one here. This is from Nate. Uh, Nate, uh, or you know, Nate wants to know. 
Um, basically, last week we talked about the um, the AP polls not releasing until mid October, or at least until October, right? Until the first five weeks of the season have been played. Uh, do you think this would actually make a difference? Like, is this would this actually help um, teams figure out, and, and not necessarily teams, but I guess the the overall narrative the media narrative kind of figure things out in a different way or would this just kind of be a fun thing for us that we don't have to worry about like in other words how much of an impact do you think releasing it uh after the fifth week you know and not doing polls until then would actually make on the overall college football narrative it's an interesting question because you know i mentioned earlier you know people like herb street and and uh, joe clatt who have really been celebrating ohio state and both of them have more than once made some caveat about if you take out your your preseason biases and, and preconceived notions and so on. Now, those things aren't just reflected in in the polls, right? So you would look at a Clemson as an example or, or an Alabama and, and still have in mind of course, how did yeah. they perform at the end of last season? Oh, this team's the defending champion or what you know, so just because we don't release polls, but what it does do is maybe Maybe that thing I was talking about a moment ago where you had, you know, whatever, four SEC teams or something like that in the top 10, maybe that shakes out differently. Or, or hey, you know, Clemson, um, maybe if after some, you know, a, a tough game against North Carolina and people realize that, God, Clemson doesn't play anybody at all, all right. season long in the ACC, it's hot garbage. Uh, maybe, maybe that does show up somewhere. Maybe they... Maybe they do not get the, the the same boost as oh we started the season number one because teams don't tend to fall, you know if you just win your games you right. don't t- look at you know look at look at Alabama look at you know you you can rise you can you can but you don't tend to fall super fast if you start out as a top five team even with a loss. Yeah, I think you hit no, the nail so- on the head. It's it's not – I mean, this is less for the narrative at the beginning of the season and maybe more for the narrative at the end of the season because you allow more teams to be in the conversation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, now, yeah. again, you know, okay, so let's say the AP and the coaches' poll doesn't, you know, do anything till October. Well, ESPN's still going to have their weekly rankings or daily rankings or whatever they yes. want to do. They're going to have their bowl projections. So that's, that's going to be part of it, and I think people will gravitate that to that just because they want to they want to have those rankings so that to me it's kind of a pie in the sky thing anyway because i think people just want to see you know who's at the top um but i I do think it does shape the conversation a little bit differently and and hopefully you can have a conversation that includes you know somewhat fringe teams in that playoff discussion rather than okay how many sec teams are going to be in it this year two or three right like i just it's 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 a it's an expansion of what we view as quality, and that's really what I'm going for here. So hopefully that would be the result. But it's a good question because I don't know if that would actually happen. Um, so I, I appreciate that. I read a good op-ed, and I wish I could remember now because it's been a few weeks ago, but I remember can't remember who wrote it. But, but the piece basically was talking about the fact that we bemoan uh, things like the you know the the fact that um, hey thirty seconds after the national championship game is over we're going to have the way too early twenty twenty <laughs> rankings right, right? the the yeah. way too early preseason top twenty five or yeah. the way too early Heisman Trophy but the reason that we have those things is because we again all of us as fans have this insatiable appetite for right. anything and everything we can get our hands on 
related to college football. We, we, you know, in many ways, I think college football really is America's pastime and we love the sport and every little bit of, look at, it blows my mind that football recruiting is is this cottage industry of the size that it is? Oh, it's, uh, it's the, the life that grown, it's the grown, life grown. of football blogging, my friend. It, it, we yeah, wouldn't. right. I yeah. mean, I've been I've been connected wow. to it now how many years tangentially, and and it still blows my mind that grown men and women are this wrapped up in the whims and wiles of teenagers. Yeah, but that's, we but love that's this sport, right. and yeah, that's right, right. So. You know, all that to say, if we didn't release the polls until week five or week six, something would fill that gap. Nature abhors a vacuum. There would be somewhere somebody putting out some content that would fill that void. No doubt. I'm with you on that. Uh, So that's Ask Us Anything for this week. Those are excellent questions. Please keep sending them in uh, and we'll keep answering them. Last thing before we get out of here, Andy, what are you doing on the bye week? That is a great question, my friend. Um, I think that we will... Um, we're, we're heavily debating, um, whether or not, and I say heavily debating cause we signed up, uh, to run the Ohio state four miler on Saturday. Nice. Uh, right. However, comma, my training in preparation for the four miler has been sad to say the least. So <laughs> uh, if we don't actually run the race, I'm making no promises. Weather may also play a factor if it's raining, sure. uh, running in the rain just ain't, ain't, ain't my tempo. Um, we are planning a trip to the Renaissance Festival down uh, in Waynesfield. Yeah. Right? Am I right? Waynesville. Waynesville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was trying to, th- I, I, I spaced a minute on like, what is that? What county I'm in when I, when I get there? But we're planning a trip down there at some point this weekend. So that may be the highlight of our bye week. Yeah. That's not, it looks like there might be some rain on Saturday. It's going to be kind of cold, uh, but yeah. maybe on Sunday, Sunday might be prime pumpkin patch times for the, <laughs> for the Ginter family. So we're going <laughs> to, which is really, yes. so we're going <laughs> to, we'll leave the cat. Do at you home. carve a Johnny O'Lantern? That's a, we I want to say I Johnny O'Lantern. I enjoy, I enjoy all the incredibly, uh, the basic, uh, fall things. And I, I make no apologies for it. It's, it's, it's wonderful. So we'll try to get some of that done. Maybe go to hockey. Hills. That might be fun too. So we'll check it out. Do you, but, do you dress up for Halloween, Johnny? You know, I, so I, I want to, and then I never really have an excuse to, and I do have several costumes in mind for this year. So hopefully I'll get a reason to dress up maybe at the dub gate. I don't know. Um, oh, and, and, and yeah, and we can hopefully uh, get that going, but uh, until then, we're, we've we've got a lot to do. Until then, we've got a bye week coming up. We'll see all of you next week. And until then, I'm John Aguirre. That was Andy Vance, and I'll, I'll talk to you all later.